It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome, everybody. Today's show, Elena Fernandez is an award-winning storyteller, expert strategist, and self-made mom entrepreneur, best known worldwide for her highly acclaimed blog, thepositivemom.com. She's also a self-proclaimed student of pain. Uh, Alina's mission is to provide moms with more skills, strategies, and steps to find peace, break unhealthy cycles, and feel whole. Uh, You know, I, I had the chance to speak with her a while back, I'm excited to have uh, to have her on the show. We, we talked about a lot of things, but I think the number one thing I remember from our first conversation, something that she said to me that has stuck with me, and that is um, pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Right there to me, that's a huge, huge takeaway. So in today's show, we're going to find out how exactly how to do that. Um, So without further ado, Ilana Fernandez, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bert, for having me. This is an honor and a pleasure to be back talking to you and to be here with everyone. Thank you. You bet. You bet. All right. So first of all, you have this award-winning blog, thepositivemom.com. I, I definitely want to have everybody check it out, thepositivemom.com. So how did you start your blog? Talk about that. Thank you for asking that. You know, it is in our darkest moments that we, I think, receive the most potent light. And so when I was inspired with this idea, which is was a crazy idea because back in 2004, blogs were really not a thing. <laughs> but I was lying on the ground in the fetal position and thinking myself to be hopeless, thinking my, myself to be lost, and actually contemplating taking my life. And in that moment, I was able to distinguish something that I want everyone to think about. And it was my facts versus my truth. So my facts told me that there was nothing I could really do in that moment to get back on my feet and to reset my life and to move forward. Um, and I couldn't come up with a to, to-do list. And then my truth told me that the power to decide what I could be was within me. So we all have this power to decide what we could be. And so in that moment, I wrote my first to be list. And this is a a practice that I have every, every day. And that's when it came to me that I could be a positive mom. So that's where the name came from. And then I decided that I was going to process these emotions to be a positive mom. And I processed my emotions by writing. So I started writing about my experiences and sharing them with other moms. And the rest is history, as they say. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. So let me ask you this. 
what was happening, if you don't mind talking about that a little bit, uh, you know, what was happening that, that placed you in this fetal position? Uh, here you are hopeless, you're contemplating suicide. What was happening at that time in your life? Yes. And, it, you know, I, I had come to the United States to live happily ever after. You know, I, I'm from the Dominican Republic and um, I had a, a beautiful life that I had created for myself and I fell in love, moved to the United States, you know, had two babies that were and are <laughs> my most precious treasures. And, and then I found myself, you know, abandoned in a, you know, 100 square feet room with no money in my pocket, no money in my bank account or under my mattress. <laughs> and uh, also all alone. I felt all alone because my, my whole family and friends I had left behind when I immigrated. Um, and I literally just felt like I didn't know what to do with two toddlers. There were one and two at that time. And I felt, you know, my self-esteem was on the floor, just like I was, right? And and just so that moment of being a new mom, a single mom now, and not having the resources or the support or the tools that I thought I needed in that moment to move forward, how am I going to do this? You know, it, it's a very dark place. And also, you know, it's really important to think about that whenever something happens to us and we perceive it as this thing that is that is coming at us, usually 90% of that, according to science, is in the past tense. It's, it's a trigger. 10% we're reacting to what is happening in the moment and 90% is we're reacting to everything that has happened before that has made this such a big deal. All right, so so let me see, let me process that. So 90% is in the past, is what you're saying? Because here you are, you're recently a mom, you have two toddlers, that's present. Uh, you've been abandoned, you have no money, that's also present. It seems like this is a perfectly good time to... Uh, to be in the fetal position, right? This is a perfectly good time to, to feel hopeless. Um, all that to me, listening to your story, seems very present, very real, very right now. Because you gotta be thinking, okay, I just got, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm new to America. You've been here a couple of years maybe. Um, and you have no money. And you decide, hey, I'm gonna start a blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really crazy. And that's, you know, why I know that it, it was an inspiration that the idea didn't come from me. It come from the power within me that is connected to the power, you know, that I say above me, but, you know, and it's interesting how you say, you know, all of this is present and that's the difference between facts and truth, because the thing is what I was telling myself in that moment where beliefs that I had adopted as a child, mm. beliefs, and it is those beliefs when we, or those thoughts when we believe them, that shape 
what our reality is. So I was telling myself that I was worthless. I was telling myself that I couldn't do anything right. I was telling myself that I didn't deserve to be alive. And those were all voices of my childhood and voices that I had internalized. And so when we are triggered, you know, it's not so much what's happening to us, because in a second, I when I tuned into the gratitude that I had my kids laying in this tiny bed, when I turned to the gratitude that I still have purpose in life, when I turned to the to the you know reality that I am a divine being having a human experience, then everything turned around in in just the flip of a coin, right? right. And so and so that's what happens when we focus on on all of those um, I would say limitations that we have set for ourselves, um, and it's usually. Uh, something that either was told to us or that we've been telling ourselves our whole life. Then when we turn that off and, and turn to, to the gratitude of the moment that we're living and, and to find the gifts in the pain, that's when we are really powerful. Yeah. I, and, and, and I agree. And prior to this experience, did you have any training? Did you have it, you know, were you in any kind of, um, I don't know, either books or anything like that to help you make this flip? That's really interesting that you ask that because actually um, <laughs> the, my favorite story in the world, right, is when I was seven years old. And we lived in extreme poverty in the Dominican Republic. I was, I grew up in a slum and uh, my brother and I, you know, used to fetch water in a nearby river and, you know, just to, kind of to, to deal with the day. And after we fetch water, we always go to the dump and the dump was right behind our little shack um, that we had, you know, a wooden shack with a tin roof and dirt floor. And so my brother and I went to the dump and found all these beautiful things that we called toys and that we called treasures. <laughs> and it was amazing. Like we find all the things that people threw away. And this one day I found a magazine and it was, uh, you know, obviously in the trash. So it was a little soggy and smelly and yucky. Um, but I was inspired in that moment. I looked to my brother and I saw these kids on this magazine and they're so happy and their families are not dysfunctional and they don't live in poverty and they have toys and they have, you know, they're wearing jeans and shoes and we're like, oh my goodness. I told my brother, what if we could be like those kids? I think to be like those kids, we need to learn this language. And it was a magazine in English. And so at seven years old, I started my first business, <laughs> which was, you know, guessing what the highlights magazine, we call it Eclipse because we didn't know how to pronounce it. But the highlights magazine that we now had a monthly subscription to in the trash. <laughs> And I would, you know, we didn't have power at night. And so with a candle and some 
cardboard cutouts. I would tell the stories of these kids that had it all. And after four years, I was able to pay for lessons to learn English. Wow. Yes. And not only I was learning English, I, you know, had mentors now that taught me about Wayne Dyer, Dale Carnegie, Brian Tracy, who I'm like excited that I met and I actually spoke Spanish to him. And I told him, your Spanish books helped me so much. So I've been reading as a man thinketh, you know, and also I, I, at seven years old, I had already read the Bible like seven, seven times, you know, back and forth from cover to cover. So I've always have sought that inspiration. And yes, I, I had, you know, an idea of the language of transformation. And also, you know, I, I was inspired to see that vision. And even though I never lived like those kids, that's actually the life that my children have had. So I, I always say that when God gives you a vision, you have permission and you will get provision because I have seen that, you know, my kids have, have lived a different life than I have lived. And it was because I believed in that vision. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, you know, first of all, let's talk about the one of the things that you said, and this is true, I think this is the thing that makes or breaks all of us, and that is this conversation that we have in our heads. And yes, a lot of that conversation comes from our environment, our childhood, our peers. And then some of it, as you mentioned, we make up ourselves. And <laughs> we, when I say we, we as humans, we seem to want, it's easy for us to believe the negative, the limiting beliefs. Yeah. Very difficult for us to believe the positive, right? And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, one, it's a human condition. It's part of, as you mentioned, it's part of being a divine being, uh, having this human experience. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned the Bible, and one of the things that I remember in, in the New Testament that's always stuck with me is that Christ himself even said when, when he was in the garden, he talked about, you know, he, he's praying to Heavenly Father, and he's saying, you know, take this cup away from me. If possible, let's let's avoid all this stuff I'm, I'm about to go through, <laughs> if, you know, but, you know, he was also strong enough to say that I will be done, and, and, and I think that you know, even though here he is, Jesus Christ, he's obviously a powerful God. He, he, he understands what his purpose is. Uh, and, and yet he being also a divine spirit, having this human uh, experience, wanted to avoid this very negative experience that he was about to have. And so if it can happen to him, uh, certainly it makes it that much more uh, important. It makes it that much harder for us, right? I mean, we're just, yeah. we don't have the same background that Christ <laughs> had. <And> so <laughs> if Christ can have this moment of fear and yeah. terror and self-doubt, then yes, it's, it's, it's normal for us, right? So, so you know, but, but it's amazing to me that here you are, you're rummaging through the dump and you find this highlights magazine and, and, and it, 
it brought in that divine spark. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something that you said, I love, I love that you're mentioning this because, you know, it is how our brain is wired. Our brain is wired to protect us. And so it operates from fear. And, and this is, you know, what, why we fear pain. And, you know, the thing is, while we have this human brain, no matter how divine we may be, you know, we, we're going to have to retrain and, and those neural pathways, you know, just create new patterns. And, and that's why I write my be positive list, list every, every day, because the thing is that this has to be a practice. This has to be intentional. This has to be deliberate and it has to be daily, one day at a time, because our brain is going to try to tell us, don't do that. There's risk in that. That's going to hurt. If possible, let's, let's not do that. Right. <laughs> so, so it's great that you, that you said that is a great segue to say that we have this language of pain on how pain is bad. Painful emotions are, you know, just something that we don't want to experience we repress it, we suppress it, we want to fix it, we want to numb it, we want to avoid it, we want to escape it, and we don't want to feel the pain. But like you said, pain is very tied to our purpose. Pain is our sacred teacher. Pain is a messenger. And our painful emotions and our happy emotions, uh, pleasant emotions, are here to tell us what's going on, what's going on inside. It's a check-in. And so, you know, there's nothing to fear with pain. It is unavoidable in this human experience. It is, I call it the common thread of humanity. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to this, uh, uh, I guess this, this thing that, that I've heard that, that uh, is, is a part of your makeup, that you are a student of pain. Yeah. And, and I love what you're saying there because you're right. We all want to avoid pain. That's the natural thing. Let's avoid pain. Let's avoid risk. Let's avoid embarrassment. Let's avoid failure. But the reality is the people, the people who are the high achievers have learned how to be, like you say, a student of pain. They, they know how to deal with it, manage it, dance with it. And, and they almost collaborate with it. They know that, you know, it's, it's the old, what do you call it? The old athletic term, no pain, no gain. And, yeah. <laughs> and we accept that in, ath in athletes, in sports, but it's also part of life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I consider myself a student of pain. And it all started, actually, um, I was in a coma for eight days uh, after a car crash. And the car, you know, just did some flips and it was on top of me. So um, at, during those eight days in my coma, I had, you know, very profound spiritual experiences and that we're not going to discuss because they're just too crazy <laughs> and beautiful and sacred to me. Um, and, but one of the things that I like to share is that I, my consciousness was awake, was alive and that I could experience and see and everything in a different lens, in a different perspective. And one of the things, you know, that 
that I realized in that moment is that actually pain is like an alarm that wake us up, wakes us up to really the contribution that we are here to make. And it's, it's also um, always bearing gifts. And I call it the gifts of pain, right? And the, the issue is that many times with emotional pain, we don't let it go. We hang on to it. Yes. And so, you know, there's a, there's a thing in, in the recovery um, rooms that, that talks about how we call it a resentment because it's something that we're feeling over and over again. So it's, there's no negative emotion or positive emotion. There are only expressions that are healthy or, or unhealthy or positive or negative. So what that means is you can get angry. And to your point, Christ, you know, flip tables. <laughs> um, now you express it in a healthy way, then you let it go. And that's going to give you a gift. And, and you're going to be able to sit with that. And so when I was in that coma, I could see you know, all the many horrible things that I experienced in my childhood and as a teenager. Um, and I was able to sit down, you know, not literally because my body was lifeless and, and, you know, not responsive, but basically just see how that pain helped me, how processing that pain would become then a gift when we process our pain and like you said we transform it into something different this alchemy is going to create a gift and so in your wound is your gift i like that very much and and to your point you look at how many entrepreneurs out there have taken their pain their problem and made a profit out of it right yeah yeah Uh, and and how many people have have taken their pain and, and because they they the gift was it gave them purpose as you're yes. talking about right and they've written books and they've become uh, speakers and and movies and all this other stuff because of that so uh, I, I like the way you're framing this idea of pain is a gift pain yeah. gives you purpose pain wakes you up. Yeah, it will. Well, yeah, what you need to be doing in some cases. Uh, yeah. All right. So speaking of pain and, and, and emotional emotional stuff, there. One of the things that you're well known for is the emotional wholeness framework. Talk about this. Yes, this is you know my uh, I would say my baby. <laughs> My fifth baby, because I have four daughters and they're all just a delight. Yeah. Um, and motherhood is painful. So it, it's that's the gift. Right. <laughs> um, so the emotional wholeness uh, framework is based on, you know, feeling whole. And for me, that's a very spiritual term, wholeness. When I think of wholeness is, is you know, something that is beyond this earth. And so wholeness, emotional wholeness, as I define it, is achieved by processing 
and integrating every emotion we experience in every moment of our lives. So for example, I was telling you how I was in this coma. And when I woke up, when I, you know, I was told it's not your time. And I was resistant, reluctant, because it's like, oh, life is too painful. <laughs> I don't want to go back to that. I'm feeling I'm in heaven. Like right. I, I'm feeling all this peace and all this unconditional love and, and surrounded by so much light. And I'm going to go back to that. No, thanks. But, you know, <laughs> it was not my time. And so in that moment, I woke up. And I woke up to pain. I woke up to 19 broken bones, two chest tubes, uh, you know, uh, no ox, you know, not breathing on my own. Everything hurt, you know, and, and I didn't even know what was going to happen after that. Um, but I also woke up to joy, the joyful faces of everyone around me my joy to be able to hold my my dad's hand you know and feel it after i had seen him holding it for i don't know it seemed like an eternity it turned out to be 8 days but i just saw him hold my hand relentlessly and i couldn't feel it with my physical hand so that tells you the integration i'm in pain and i'm in doubt and i'm you know just hesitant but one part of me is also joyful and excited. And so it's integrating that we're not one dimensional. You know, I'm not just depressed. I, one part of me is depressed and the other part of me is hopeful. So just integrating that and processing all of the emotions that we feel and not denying them, not minimizing them, not comparing them. And so just like the physical injuries with emotional pain, um, you're going to need three components for, uh, to achieve wholeness. One is an accurate diagnosis, like what is happening inside of you? What is going on? The second one is a recovery period because, you know, I needed time to for my bones to heal, I couldn't go running or, you know, jumping, I had to rest and recover. And then the third part of the of this framework is going to be emotional wellness, which is a lifestyle of, you know, ongoing practices that will support your healing. And then when we are not fragmented or disconnected, then we're going to be able to respond to circumstances in a healthy way, in a peaceful way, in a productive way, because we're emotionally whole, we're emotionally resilient, we have been processing that pain over and over again. And, and I think that this is kind of the, the thing that we're experiencing right now, and me as a positive mom, you know, it's crazy because you would say like, oh, we are always positive. No, I embrace and, and, and honor my feelings because you can heal what you can't accept. Yeah, I like that very much. And back to what you had said earlier, when we are in pain, we try to uh, avoid it. We, we try to run from it. We medicate it. You know, we don't want to yeah. we don't want to see it. Yeah. And of course, you can't move forward. You cannot become whole till you look at your pain 
And, and, and I like what you said about accurately diagnosing that pain, yeah. because sometimes being human, we make it worse than it is. Yes. And yes. we don't sit there and say, okay, this is really, this is how good or how bad it really is. Right. And, yeah. and, and sometimes yeah. again, because we're human, we, we it, it's hard. Self-diagnosis is difficult. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, and, and, and let me tell you something that I'm really, you know, this is like, I'm so passionate about. And that, that part of the framework, I call it emotional literacy, which is why we need to be students of pain, right? Because we need to know what pain looks like and what our feelings, our emotions look like. So for example, you know, when something ha happens in a relationship, let's say, and um, you know, there's someone that I think that they betrayed me, right? I say, well, that was she betrayed me, or he betrayed me, or they betrayed me. Then what happens is that now I feel betrayed, therefore I'm a victim of betrayal, and this person is, you know. A perpetrator of betrayal. So it creates this label and this disconnection and this separation when betrayed is actually not a feeling. Betrayed is a judgment, is a perception, is an opinion. My feeling, you know, when some, somebody experiences a betrayal, there could be sadness, there could be anger, which is probably where I go when I experience a betrayal. The betrayal is a fact, but me being a betrayed person is an identity that I decided to take on. And that person being a betrayer is a, an identity that I decided to put on that person. Right. So my feeling actually is sad, disappointed, um, you know, angry, hurt, maybe scared, and so that comes with the diagnosis, the accurate diagnosis of what am I feeling? How can I honor that? How can I move forward? How can I process this grief so that it turns into positive growth? Yes. Oh, I like that. I like that. You know, and, and something I want to back up and talk about, uh, you, you talked about uh, how being positive was not a natural thing for you and that you had a that you had to create a practice, right? It was something that you had to uh, really learn about and explore and, and, and kind of go through. What are some of the misconceptions about being positive? Lovely. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know, I have this saying on my website that says, be positive and you'll be powerful. And so, a lot of people, you know, come to me and they tell me, yes, you know, I, I say positive affirmations and I practice gratitude and I try to find the gift in the pain, which is what you talk about, Elena, you know, that's that's really great. I find it right away. <laughs> and so that those are the misconceptions, I think, in the because if we don't process the pain, those things are nice and they're going to be band-aids in the recovery process, but they are not going to heal and transform your pain. So I, I say that being positive 
is, you know, kind of getting up so that you don't drown in the water and learning how to swim. But it's not ignoring that there's water. It's not, you know, saying affirmations where you can't breathe. It's basically being intentional and purposeful and having an identity. I always say that it's actually faith and gratitude that make a positive mom because you're basically having the faith and acting, you know, making those steps, using those strategies and developing those skills so that you become emotionally resilient and you have healthy mechanisms to cope. You have healthy responses versus unhealthy reactions. So being positive is a lot of work, is a lot of effort, because like I said, our brain is not wired to be positive. And yes, I I love affirmations. I love gratitude practices. I, you know, I, I practice prayer and all of these things are going to help us when we actually do the work to heal. So being positive, once, once you, you know, create that from the inside out, then you're able to actually be positive in the moment where you need it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I like that. I like that. I, I want to talk about something uh i think you call it motivational guilt what is mm-hmm. motivational guilt <laughs> <laughs> so i i am very uh passionate about uh, you know just being motivated from love and i always think about the kind of two options that we have and this is something that you know i look in in my life, I can see when I make empowered decisions as a mom or poor decisions as a mom, I can see it where it comes from, right? It comes from fear or it comes from love. And those are the two places where things come, you know, decisions, thoughts, feelings. It is it is like that. And, and if you see me apologizing to my kid because I raised my voice too loud, or I was, you know, I was not seeing their point, whatever it is, you know, all this, it's because I'm afraid for my kid. I, I love them, but I'm, a, I'm in fear mode and I can't see beyond that, can see beyond that fear. And anything that has worked and, and really created that bond and that strength that thankfully I enjoy with my daughters is because I've been making those very courageous and hard choices that come from love. And so the same thing is with motivation. You know, I see memes and quotes, you know, like just do it. And, you know, you've got this and all of these things. Well, sometimes you can't just do it. And sometimes you don't got this. And sometimes you, you know, yeah, you can say no and you can quit because your mental health is affected. Um, so we got to have a, a, a dance of, yes, I can push myself and I can be, you know, grow from this discomfort. Uh, but is it necessary and is it helpful? So when you think about motivational guilt, it's me saying, oh, you know, just get up because if you don't do this, 
then this is going to happen. And so I motivate myself because of fear. I motivate myself because I want to show others that I'm strong. I motivate myself because I don't want to be a failure. I motivate myself because um, I promised. (laughs) It doesn't matter why, but when we motivate ourselves because of love, because I love my body, because I'm honoring God, because I'm, I want to be a, a loving mom, not a good mom, a loving mom, because I want to be a better human, because I want to be more compassionate. And I always go back to, you know, the Beatitudes, which is uh, the list that I made uh, when I was in the fetal position had everything to do with the Beatitudes. It was kind of like what came to me in that moment uh, and connected me back to my coma. And so, you know, when I think about being that person that is merciful, gentle, you know, and all of those amazing qualities, I want to be that to myself too. And so when I think about my motivation when or I'm motivating somebody else, I always want to have that as a stick, as a yardstick. Is this merciful? Is this gentle? Is this loving? Is this forgiving? And that is the kind of motivation that will last because you're honoring your humanity. And so I could talk forever about that, but. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, uh, you know, uh, Something that you said, uh, I guess, at the top of the show, you were talking about a, you didn't call it a to-do list, a to-be list. Yep. Yep. And so you also have this first routine. Talk about first routine. What is that? Well, that's, you know, I think that it, it it's for everyone. And I will say that as moms, we need it most. Um, and it's like, We always, well, I was told that when you're a mom, family, your family comes first and your kids come first. And so after becoming a mom and in my just quest to be a positive mom and based on what I experienced as a child, I decided that, you know, that saying is true and that I am part of the family. So we all take turns being first. <laughs> yes. And so self-care or taking care of yourself as a mom is not something that you do, you know, apart from your family. It's something that you do for your family. And just like in any dynamic, there's no 50-50. Everybody gives a hundred of what they can give. And so um for moms out there, I created this first daily routine and it, you know, it goes back to the processing. The F is for feelings. So you honor your feelings, you know, and you, you realize what you can be that day and what things you can do. You know, some days I'm a super production machine. I'm so productive. I'm up and running and taking care of business. Some days I, I gotta be more gentle with myself. And so just honoring how I'm feeling, you know, um, and I think we can all identify that, that some days are just emotionally or physically 
are, we're not feeling the same. The I is for interaction. And that means that as moms, you know, I, I used to say like, if Dora didn't sing it and Bob didn't build it, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Because as moms, you know, we tend to live with our children. You know, I'm a single mom. And so I am surrounded by all these kids. And I forget that I need to talk to adults. And so interactions are really important, you know, friend, you know, friendly and healthy adult interactions. So that's something that, you know, we got to also schedule and, and take into factors. Um, rest is they are. And obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan of that and I struggle with it. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, especially, especially since my two-year-old is still not sleeping through the night. Um, <laughs> And, the, and there's so much to do, right? right? And so so that's something that I got to be very intentional about. It's my weakness. I, you know, tend to not rest enough. And so, so just recognizing that helps me be humble and say, oh, yes, I need to be better at that. And I, I can do this little thing to be better at that. Um, the S is for self-care. And we all have a different idea of self-care. Rest is non-negotiable and and it looks the same for everyone. (laughs) Self-care is, you know, something that I think um, is different, uh, but it's, we got to find it and honor it. For me, as I told you, I process my feelings by writing. And so, and I love reading. And so that's my self-care is whenever I'm in my room, alone, writing. Uh, For other people, it could be getting their hair done. Um, You know, that's not kind of my thing, but you find what you want, what you like, being in nature, um, you know, spending time with um, just the things that you love. Um, And then obviously the T is going to be time alone. And I say obviously, (laughs) because this is something that we don't get when I was you know I was a single mom one and two year old working like a maniac to make ends meet you know and and still couldn't and I had no time right that's what we say and then one day I decided you know what I have five minutes I can carve five minutes God gave me this really, you know, beautiful gift of 24 hours, and I can take five minutes to be with, you know, the vision that he has for me. So I would find five minutes, lock myself in the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, we do that. And create a vacation for myself and visualize, you know, this, just like with the highlights magazine, the things that that are true and the things that are coming to me, the things that I want to experience. And so time alone is really important. And it's not really alone. It's time with your creator. You know, it's time well spent, you know, being divine. And so I really um, want to say that this, this routine can really help you be grounded, be centered. And for moms, it's it's a reminder because we need it. Because if we don't have a spelled out, we won't take time 
everybody's calling our names and pulling our skirts or pants or whatever we're wearing. And, uh, and it, we need to be very intentional about taking care of ourselves because when we honor our emotions, when we honor the time that we need, then we can be better moms. We're not resentful. We're not bitter. We're not frustrated. We're not on edge. Things don't become a burden. And then, and then that creates shame and guilt, and it's a, it's a vicious cycle. Sure, sure. And, and I'm glad you, you talked about that because I think that, uh, as you said, uh, moms have this, um, there, there is this pressure out there to be this perfect mom, if you will, right? Where moms, you know, moms are exhausted at the end of the day. Why? Because they put themselves last. Yep. Uh, and, 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 and if you don't put yourself first, you cannot fully serve, right? You, you know, you cannot, you cannot give if, 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 uh, if you, if you don't have, right. And so yep. you got to take that time out for yourself. Absolutely necessary. And I think that's one of the mistakes that moms make is that they put themselves at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the list. And, yeah. and, and, and they're so used to giving and giving and giving that they don't say, hey, time out. I, I got to go get some time for myself. So yes. very crucial, very important thing. And I think we could do a whole show about that because it's, yeah. so, it's so vitally important and it's so overlooked. Listen, we're, we're a little sh- we're getting short on time, but I, I do want to ask you this. Um, I do. Uh, I wanted to ask you um, what recommendations um, do you have or what ideas or advice would you have to moms who want to become entrepreneurs? I love that you ask that because like, you know, <clears throat> I, we discussed that I've been an entrepreneur since I was seven years old. My dad was an entrepreneur um, until he retired, but he still is an entrepreneur <laughs> for for non for profit. <laughs> um, and I believe that having an outlet for your creativity is really crucial to being a positive mom. And what I recommend, number one, is to get clear on what you're passionate about. Get clear on what pains you can turn into positive growth, but also into your profit. Because, you know, for me, I had this pain of how do I become the mom I didn't even experience? How do I become a single mom that does all these things that I want to do to be positive, to be present, to be patient, to be positive? to be playful. How do I do this? And so my pain and my insecurity and my doubt turned into this whole business model. And so I believe that everyone can do that when they get clear of on, on what they can help themselves and help others. And I always tell my kids, you know, to a second grader, the third grader is an So you, because they've they've been on the second grade, right? Wait, wait, say say that again, because you cut out, you cut out. So the, start from there, the second grader, no, the third grader to a second grader is what? An expert. An expert, yes, yes. Yeah, because, you know, what do do we need to know? You know, what's it like in the second grade? 
Right. You know, how can I survive the second grade? Like, you know, they have all the answers and they have them fresh. You know, I, I can't tell you too much about the second grade anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sometimes we think like we have to be at this level to be able to teach others or to be able to contribute. And really people are waiting for those third graders, right? So those people that are just one step ahead of you in any situation and you can provide guidance or you know you can also use your gifts and talents that were given to you to definitely make a difference so the clarity piece is is number one is key because you you need to be clear what your gifts and talents and skills are you need to be clear on on how you can make that contribution the second recommendation i'm going to say is to you know set bold goals and, you know, I, I know that you've probably heard of the SMART goals, right? <laughs> and uh, I don't set SMART goals. <laughs> All right, because, let's, let's, let's hear what goals you set. <laughs> well, because, you know, it's just the whole realistic part. I mean, when, when like, imagine a seven-year-old living in a slum, Okay. I couldn't set a goal that was smart. That was just not possible. That's not realistic or attainable or right. measurable. It, it's, it's, I, I, I set bold goals and the B's for bold, like beyond your circumstances. So don't make goals from where you're at. Make goals that you can't even imagine. You know, like my my mentor, Les Brown says, shoot for the moons and you'll maybe, you know, land in the star. Right. And the O, let me see if I get the, this acronym right, is for outside of your comfort zone. So also you don't have to be fully qualified to do it. Right. That's, that's what makes it bold. And then the L is easy because that's the main part. The main component is love centered, you know, based on the love that you have for you, love for your family, love for other people. And then the D is the designed for daily progress. So you're not measuring goals on what is going to happen in on December 31st. You're measuring your goal by what you're going to do the next day and the next day and the next day. When I started my business, it was $10 a month and 10 minutes a day. That was my investment. And then some days I would do more than 10 minutes because I was on fire, right? But I set, you know, very low expectations, but they were non-negotiable. And that that's that's the key is consistent, you know, a compound effect of consistent steps every day that are going to take you in the direction of your dream. So setting those bold goals is number two. And the, the third is, I would say, to celebrate all of those little achievements and to forgive yourself, giving yourself grace for those things that didn't go. So, you know, one thing that I, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but if, if sometimes if you don't do your 10 minutes, then the next day is like, oh, I, it's not going to work because I didn't do my 10 minutes. So I pressed like a reset button every day. And it's like, you know, if this is designed for daily progress, and I'm going to celebrate, I'm going to give myself grace for that, but I'm going to celebrate what I'm doing today. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And it's, so, you know, it's, 
some of those things are so simple. Uh, and, and again, if I've heard so many people say this, and, and it's so true, back to your point, uh, giving yourself grace, right? So if you fall off the wagon, okay, give yourself grace, forgive and get back on the wagon, right? You, yep. you, you know, you, you screwed up your diet today. Well, great you know, get back on it, you know, uh, and, and I think this idea of giving yourself grace, forgiving yourself is so vitally important. Uh, we are sometimes our very worst enemies. Yes. And it's so, yeah. <laughs> so difficult. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I have so, I've had so much fun uh, talking with you today and, and, and we could definitely talk about so many different other things. It, it, mm -hmm. Um, Elena, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what is the best website to find out more about you? Thank you for asking that. My website is thepositivemom.com. And I'm also on all the social media platforms because I'm a bit of a social media geek. And uh, <laughs> at the positive mom. So at the, the positive mom, or you can yeah. go to thepositivemom.com. I'm going to put all the links here on the show notes. And uh, it's incredible. I, I, your, your journey is definitely uh, inspirational in uh, mm -hmm. the fact that, uh, you know, in a very short time, you've experienced a lot of pain. <laughs> and a lot of gifts, a, a lot, lot of, of miracles. Gifts. You Absolutely. know, that, that's, that's the beauty. It's that I've been the recipient of so many miracles in my life that I put, you know, I don't know a lot of people that have seen those miracles so i consider myself that uh, very very blessed and that i've i've the recipient of so many gifts because those gifts that come from the pain we can honor them when we process those those emotions yes i agree with that so very much uh, ilana thank you so much for stopping by looking forward to having you back again soon thank you so much Bert. it's been an honor and, a, and just a joy to be here with you